Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you for tuning in on this sunny and gorgeous Thursday. It's going to get hot this weekend, so might be, maybe, I don't know, might be the last uh, kind of coolish, pleasant, uh, perfect day of the year, uh, at least until we get to like October or something, uh, because we've got high 80s tomorrow and then mid-90s on Saturday and Sunday. I hope you're ready for the heat. I'm Andy Griffin, live from the Camping World of St. George Studios. Uh, had a fun morning so far. Gave away a couple of qualifiers for our cash and cruise giveaway. And uh, got a couple of guys in studio with me today. You guys have been on cruises? Yeah, Kurt, uh, Jordan? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. I've never been on a cruise, actually, believe it or not. I'm 56 years old, never been on a cruise. Uh, anyway, Kurt Ivey is with me, city councilman for Washington City. Kurt, thanks for coming in today. You look sharp. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having us, Andy. No time, but he's got the sports jacket. He's looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, a former school teacher. Uh, taught at least two of my kids that I can think of, also former assistant coach. I always thought it was fascinating because Kurt was an assistant coach for Dixie High School for a long time, 30 years, right? 30 years, yeah. Uh, but Kurt actually taught elementary school in the Pineview boundaries. Yes. So he got to know kids before they got high school age for Pineview and then got to coach against those same kids a few years later. Yes, it was good, it was good to know them at both levels unless they beat us, and then I, it wasn't so good. <laughs> did you ever teach Dakota Donovan? I did not. No, I knew okay. him. Yeah. I coached him in like a little legion tournament but never taught him no pretty dominant pitcher for pineview few years back yes he but, was uh, a great great athlete great kid uh and then uh, but uh, boy how about dixie this year uh 11 and 1 in region play ranked number one in the state have a buy into the bracket portion of the uh, tournament flyers are getting it done even without kurt ivy on the, on the uh, dugout <laughs> well i doubt i ever played much of a role but yeah i followed the <laughs> flyers this year you know they've had a great season i'm great friends with uh, danny ipson and the coaching mm-hmm. staff and I just want to be on the other side of the fence and just watch games and participate where I can. But a little less stressful, I guess. Huh? Well, it is, and it's just fun to it's fun to just be a part of it. I love high school and college sports. He's Kurt Ivey. Also in is uh, Jordan Hess. Jordan, a former Chamber of Commerce uh, hotshot over there, doing what he did, and uh, you got to conduct a few times, be the guy in charge of the big meeting and stuff. Uh, but uh, Jordan, welcome to the program. Now the public affairs director for Washington City. Yeah, I love it. Washington City is a perfect fit for me. How did uh, how did that all come about? Did they come looking for you, or did you just see an opening and apply, or what happened there? Yeah, there was, um, uh, you know, my skill set um, fits really well with what Washington City was looking for. They've never had this type of a position yeah, it's before. Yeah, new job. Yeah. New, new position, new job. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and I applied um, and was interviewed for the job and offered, and I accepted, and never looking back now. It's right. uh, it's where right. I want to be. Very cool. Jordan is a local resident. Jordan is also uh, politically active in the Republican Party, correct? That is correct. And uh, if you follow Jordan on Facebook, you'll see every once in a while a political post or two about uh, usually having something to do with the current, current administration not uh, being up to snuff. Uh, <laughs> Or, or something like that, which is good. That's where we're at here on this show, too. Very conservative. So, uh, again, thanks, guys, for coming in. Washington City right now, the second biggest city in Washington County. 
Of course, you got St. George and then Washington. Hurricane's growing faster, I think, than anybody, but you guys are still bigger than Hurricane. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I think a lot of people go, okay, you got St. George, and then uh, to the east, you've got Hurricane. That's probably the second biggest. No, it's actually uh, the third biggest Hurricane. Washington is number two, and it's actually, at this point, not that close even. Right, yeah, Washington, our latest numbers put us at about 37,000, 38,000. Wow, pretty big numbers. Does your population significantly grow during uh, snowbird time or during event time? Is there a lot of uh, uh, people who have, like, maybe second homes in Washington City? You know, you'd think that, but we have such a tourist population. You know, in the winter, you've got your snowbirds, but in the summer, you have a lot of uh, people here traveling and vacationing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we see a lot of significant differences. We understand that there's a lot of visitors in town probably year-round, and we, we like that for them to come and shop in Washington and, and enjoy what we have there. So, Of course, it's Mayor Thursday. Neither one of you is a mayor at the moment, but uh, Crest couldn't be here today. I really appreciate both of you coming in and spending a few minutes, even though you're not technically mayor you can be mayor of funky town jordan How about that? <laughs> there we go how about mayor pro tem <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> that <Is> works <laughs> yeah that works okay that works uh okay uh kurt uh tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that some of the hot issues in washington city uh and maybe actually maybe we turn to jordan on the on the business uh, owner side I, I thought it was really fascinating obviously as i'm perusing the wire every morning getting ready for my show uh, I come across all these different stories and things, and then I come across a, the email from Wallet Hub, and Wallet Hub says, "Hey, St. George is the number two city in the uh, in the nation for starting a new business." And I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. Number two, who's number one? Washington City is number right. one." And yes. they didn't mention that in the in the body the the subject line of the email that Washington City, which is also obviously here in Washington County, and just like right over the other side of that ridge there, that uh, Washington City's number one. Uh, that's got to make you both feel pretty pretty proud of your hometown. Yeah, definitely. And and Cedar's number four, so yeah. Southern Utah is dominating. But Washington City, number one sit, small city in the entire nation to start a business, and that is cities fewer than a hundred thousand people. Right. Right. Uh, they looked at three different factors in determining that ranking: uh, cost to do business, mm-hmm. business environment, and then access to resources. The infrastructure is the infrastructure there. And uh, with those three factors combined, we come out number one. We were cool. number four last year, to so to climb three three oh, places nice. in a I year didn't know that. Hmm. is really impressive. But we have the rooftops. Ninety-eight percent of our building permits are residential, so we have the rooftops to support new business. Uh, and Washington City is open for business, so if you want to start a business, we're the place to do it. I think, and I don't know if this is true, but maybe you can tell me, I, I think the problem is actually somewhere, Tony in Washington City person, is it is it hard for you to see, you know, exit 13 come in, exit whatever it's going to be, 11, I guess, or whatever on Main Street is going to change the face of downtown a little bit? Is that tough for you to look at and, and see it change? You know, for me personally, um, the growing pains for me happen, occurred a long time ago. Oh, okay. Because growing up here, you know, we have those near and dear things, you know, like swimming in the boilers and yeah. playing on the Red Hill and, you know, and just doing those great small town things. But, you know, as we've grown, we've I've always realized my whole life that, that we live in the best place in the entire world. Hmm. Our climate, you know, you go you go north um, in the summer and south in the winter. We have great opportunities and such beautiful landscape. But those pains for me was a long time ago. Now what I do is a lot of times people think that we advocate for people to come and move here, and we don't do that. We want quality growth. 
Mm-hmm. We want to plan and have infrastructure that supports residents and they can live here and have a tremendous quality of life. Um, but more recently, what we're trying to do is build in, as I said, those commercial areas that help support that. So it maintains that quality of life. But yes, Andy, you're, you, you know I, <laughs> I am very traditional. I was born and raised here. Um, and I do remember a lot of the fun things. And what we're trying to do very hard now is to maintain some of those even with our growth so that we can share those experiences that a lot of longtime Washington residents have enjoyed throughout their lives. A month or two ago, we had uh, Crest Staley speak at the Chamber Luncheon just talking about Washington City and the history. I I thought he did a really good job of embracing the history, of helping people understand this this is Washington City, this is who we are and why who we are, uh, and then kind of segueing that into the future. Uh, growing pains, though, Kurt, what, what are the biggest growing pains? That you, is it infrastructure right now, or what are the biggest growing pains that maybe Washington City is experiencing? Well, I don't know. I think our infrastructure is well in hand. Our okay. city staff does a great job. We have, we have great planners and a tremendous qualified staff, and I don't just say that. They really are good. I have great confidence in them. You know, the, the stress topics as it pertains to growth, of course, is water. And a lot of people don't know this because I'm, I taught elementary, but I'm also a geologist. I've worked hard in trying to under, understand the water mm-hmm. and try to understand exactly what that looks like. Now, you know, for me, I, I grew up knowing that we, are, we may have a water issue in our future. Because if you can anticipate future growth and the water supply that we have. But right now, there's people that are very smart. They're looking at all the options that we have. I have a great friend that lives in Washington that is the director of the Glen Canyon and Hoover Dams that works for the Bureau of Reclamation. And he's been a great resource to provide accurate, exact information on water levels and what the expectations are. And there's things that can be done. I mean, I don't want our citizens to panic. Um, we are talking about as a city, um, maybe at some point having to restrict or cut back on permits and things. And if that happens, we will do it uh, with the least amount of impact that we can. But for right now, there's ways to find other water. You know, we the drainage system that we are that we're on is the uh, Navajo Aquifer, mm-hmm. so that means everything in that it's a one water source. We need a, a secondary water source. Um, the county's drilling 18 test holes along the Hurricane Fault. Right. And honestly, they're drilling 18 holes because they're hoping there's water there. They don't know that there's water there. They're hoping it is. And if it is, then that would be a great resource because you'd be in, underneath the, uh, the other aquifer that we have. But for me, probably one of the biggest concerns that people have right now is water. And, and you know, rightfully so. But we have a great uh, campaign in, in catching runaway water, reusing water. Uh, conserving water and and we just passed our water ordinance last night um and washington city took maybe a little different look on it andy than maybe some of the other communities how so well with the the council as we went through this process and and by the way i work on a wonderful council we have great council members a great mayor we get along great we we work hard serve and serve our citizens but what we were working with during the ordinance for the landscape was kind of a draft that was put out by the Conservancy District. And the council was having a hard time with a lot of the language and a lot of the verbiage because it just didn't seem to fit what we wanted in Washington. And so 
after three or four meetings, we, we went back to the drawing board with a blank piece of paper, hmm. and we wrote what we thought was important. And I made the comment that wa- water is one topic that there really isn't a counter position on. Everyone knows that there's a water shortage. We need water, yeah. Everyone does. I've never, I haven't met a citizen, resident, business owner that says, oh, that's just a hoax. We have plenty of water. People realize that we don't. And so you, when you remove that aspect of, out of the equation, and then the conversation becomes, how is this best affected? It was my opinion and my fellow council members and Mayor Staley's opinion that we need to work with people on this. Rather than, than giving whereases and wills and shalls, we say we work with people on this. And to try to create a, uh, a partnership in achieving water conservation and those things. And our, our policy that we passed last night is reflective of great water conservation, but is also reflective of responsible government, in my opinion, because our citizens won't be adversely or negatively affected or have unintended consequences by overregulation. And that, that's what we decided for our community. What we passed was something that identified um, some parameters that we wanted to meet, identified how much lawn you, you know a new home could have, we identified that in um, construction or in uh, like if a motel were come in, for example, then they probably wouldn't need any grass unless it was a rec- an area that would be used by by a lot of people, not just one or two. And we definitely didn't want just walking strips or most strips. We wanted it to be um, turf that was was used. And so our pol- our ordinance that we passed, I feel, is very reflective of that. We did address the concerns that, of conservation, but we did it in a good way. We got the full um, support of the Southern Utah Home Builders Association that was important because those are the folks that are going to be building the new built the new houses. Yeah. And they're very responsible in this as well. They understand we need to save water. Uh, a lot of the cities, including St. George and I think Washington as well, starting to take out some of the extraneous ga- grass, I guess, some of the areas where, where grass isn't actually used. Uh, and, and maybe I can talk to talk to Jordan about this a little bit. Taylor, by the way, I called him Taylor in the uh, in the uh, when we were getting ready for the show. I had just seen a picture of Taylor Hicks, and you actually look kind of like Taylor Hicks. If you had a little bit of gray hair, we could maybe. maybe can you sing? Is the question? Jordan. I cannot. No. Okay. No. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it seems like to me taking out a little bit of grass is more of a public relations ploy. Like, hey, here here's what we're doing. We're trying to show you what to do is is that the aim here or is it actual it's going to save enough water that it's going to make a difference no the city of washington is indeed setting an example may 19th is the statewide flip blitz and our mayor has made it blitz flip blitz yep statewide and our mayor has made this a priority for our city we've already started with a couple of projects but we're going to remove thirty-three thousand square feet of of grass from public spaces from public from spaces and, and these are areas where you know there's some areas in some of our parks where there it's just a park strip or the grass is on a slope on a hill and is is not being used so those are the so, areas sounds like veterans park a yeah bit. those are the areas where we're we're removing um and replacing with desert scape and so that's why it's the flip blitz okay. and uh we're actually doing a little competition in washington to encourage some of our residents to follow suit. On May 19th, if any of our residents replace some of their grass with Desertscape, all they need to do is take a picture of it, 
posted on social media with the hashtag FlipBlitz and Washington City. And we're giving away family annual family passes to our community center. Oh, very cool. Um, and we're we're excited about that. But yeah, it these are things as as we studied the issue as we were going through our ordinance, the number one predictor of water use was the amount of grass that someone has in their yard. Hmm. The number one predictor. We spend and use more of our water outdoors than we do indoors. And so as a city, as uh, Councilman Ivy said, we've instituted some limits. Um, 8% of new homes can have 8% of their their lot uh, as lawn, and then we cap that at 1,500 square feet of grass per lot. Okay. Um, but we are in an effort to save water and conserve. Yeah, we're, we're 100% behind this flip blitz, and we've got a couple projects going on in this at the city level. We encourage our residents to do it uh, on their private property as well. You know, just to add to that, Jordan, that's great. Um, the term that we like to use is functional turf. Mm. If you're only walking on it when you're mowing it, that's not very functional. Right. But if you've got kids catching a ball or something, then that probably needs to stay. Yeah, very very well said. Uh, I I gotta ask. This is a hard question, uh, but uh, uh, Kurt Kurt likes hard questions. He's mm-hmm. the coach. Uh, is this a knee jerk reaction? I I'm a firm believer that this drought is temporary. That in three years or five years or whatever, we're gonna have so much water, we're not gonna know what to do with it. That being said, I'm not a prophet. That may not happen. Uh, is getting rid of all the grass in some of these. Uh, uh, extraneous areas is it a knee-jerk reaction should we be doing this well i'll answer it like this that what some people would say is that if you remove the grass it'll it'll raise the heat index around your home true and that that's a real factor mm-hmm. but we also know that you can mitigate that with certain ground covers that that doesn't take the amount of water that grass does and planting trees with the with the shade is very nice mm-hmm. especially in the southwest with the hot summer sun I, I feel like it's it's a responsible reaction to the current situation. Okay. We don't know what's going to come. My good friend at the dam uh, that's the works for Bureau of Reclamation, his name's Bob Martin, great man, been so helpful. He just sent me um, some accurate water levels and predictors of what Lake Powell will look like in the next month, in the next months and years. And I, I to me, the graph kind of shows that. They're preparing for the worst, but mm-hmm. hoping for the best. Um, you know, the Lake Powell pipeline has fallen on deaf ears because, because of the water level. It doesn't seem prudent to build a, a, a pipeline that may not have water in it. And so, yeah. you know, there's some things that are in flux. But I, I think what we're trying to do is be responsible as public servants to our city, to our community. Um, we want to make sure that we do everything we can to prepare for the worst-case scenario. And we hope that it will rain. We pray that it's going to rain. I, I wrote an article in last last uh, months, or a few months ago, in our newsletter. And I ended up with saying that every, every prayer that my family ever said um, ended with praying for rain. And it was raining one day. And I said, Dad, you're praying for rain, and it's raining. And he goes, <laughs> why do you think it's raining? So... Yeah. So yeah, we're, we we I think that we just need to be responsible, do all that we can, but we also have to not go so far that we take out grass or turf that's that's being used right. in an, in a right. physical way, you know. 
I'm sure there are those that would argue baseball fields are extraneous grass, and you and I heartily disagree. I would heartily so. disagree, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kurt has to take off. I've got to get a commercial break in. We'll have more with... Uh, yeah, with uh, not Jordan Hicks, Taylor Hess here uh, on the Andy Griffin Show. Uh, it's 9.30 on... Oh, yeah, finally, the world has opened back up. And guess what? The Cash and Cruise promotion is back here on KDXU. You've got a chance to win a $1,500 cruise voucher from Morris Columbus Travel. Also, the Larkin Group with Keller Williams Realty and State Bank of Southern Utah. We're going to give away 48 chances to win that $1,500 cruise voucher. Five of the cabins will be instant $89 cash winners. And then we're going to have a big old cruise party on June 11th where we'll give the cruise away lots of free food free kdxu shirts it's all coming up it's cash and cruise back on kdxu good morning everybody andy griffin here along with troy paul from the barbecue pit stop and uh you know troy one of the things you guys offer which i think is fantastic at the barbecue pit stop is classes to help people become better at barbecuing i love it well thanks andy i know that you've been to a few of them too Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) and it's hopefully it's something for everybody what we have a lot of is when customers come in and maybe they'll buy a smoker uh, for the first time, they're a little bit intimidated Yeah, because they're not sure what it, what to do with it. You think, oh, smokers for you know people that want to spend a lot of time in their backyard. And then we tell them the story about how it's so much easier than what people think it is. But that's still like, okay, but I haven't done it. I right. haven't seen it. I haven't right. felt it. I haven't tasted it or whatever it is. And, and so it's still intimidating. So what we try to do is make it easier for people by doing a demonstration. And so we have classes about once a month. Then we'll bring in a, a local professional. We'll bring some, sometimes from out of town a national name. Yeah. Uh, but basically what we try to do is make it really simple and have an open class forum where people can ask questions. But we just demonstrate it right there on the spot. It's cool. we got a television with the cameras right above it so you can see exactly what's happening um and and then you get to eat the food too so i was gonna say you you haven't (laughs) told them the best part once you show them what to do you let them try it because you have the finished product there that's amazing yeah just worth the price of admission just for the food alone because you get to eat that and it's you know usually leave pretty full and and happy that way I think anytime you get into a new thing a new hobby or whatever it is it is a little intimidating because Everybody you know has already been doing it a long time, and they're professionals at it. So this is a tremendous service. I know you start off with some of the basics, like a pulled pork, uh, you know, pork butt and, and stuff like that. It'll help get people's feet wet and their appetite wetted. Oh, I like that, yeah. So it really is. And whatever the topic is, whether you're just looking for an intro class, we have those. Um, oftentimes brisket is one of the big, you know, mountains mm-hmm. that barbecue people want to, you know, mount there. And so they're, <laughs> they're concerned and like, how do I attack this thing? And so we'll show a brisket class. We'll show... Uh, you know, like I say, the pork or whatever it is, Turkey ribs, Thanksgiving, absolutely. Yeah. But just come into our store anytime. We've got our list of classes in there uh, or eventbrite.com and see what's up next. Sounds great. Thanks, Troy. You bet. Thank you, Andy. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back. I'm Andy Griffin, 935. It's Mayor Thursday. We have Mayor Pro Tem, Kurt Ivey here from Washington City, as well as uh, that guy, uh, Jordan. What's up, Jordan? You doing all right, man? I am. Yeah, good. 
Glad you're here. Appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, we uh, normally have Mayor Crestalion on the second Wednesday or Thursday rather of the month, but Crest was uh, uh, previously occupied today. So I appreciate you guys coming in and covering covering Crest. He owes you one. You know that, right? He owes me several. <laughs> he owes you several. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about a, a couple of interesting things. First of all, uh, Mike Lee and Washington City, what do they have to do with each other, Kurt? Well, this is a great story, something that we've been actively working on for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the original question that was raised by me was that if we can use federal lands for recreational purposes, where cities can apply for federal lands for recreational purposes, for parks and things, why can't we do that for housing? So we reached out through my good friend, uh, Heath Hansen, who is Senator Lee's aide here in town. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, and he made me aware of a bill that Senator Lee had already been working on to that same, to that same end. And so when I found out about that, it just kind of took off like a snowball. We started talking about it, and um, Senator Lee, well, Senator Lee's aides and I and Jordan met with his aides in, uh, when we were at the legislature earlier this year. And had a really good conversation about what this bill is and what it does and how it can benefit Southern Utah. And it, it's called the Houses Act. Senator Lee presented this to uh, the Senate, I believe it was about a month ago now. And um, what he needs now is people to support it so it will pass. But essentially what it does, just keeping it very, very understandable, is the gov- the federal government has huge land holdings around in and around Washington, St. George, Southern Utah. Right. You've got some Sitla designated land. You've got some BLM. But in our city specifically, there is uh, federal land holdings right along our borders that would sit nicely for residential purposes. And what this bill does is the city, you could actually apply for these parcels of property, the size that you would designate, and you which, say, are, which are right now not being used at all. Not being used at yeah. all. It's just sitting and, uh, and, and not being really a benefit to anyone. But we, we could apply and we could make several applications of different uh, areas in town. There's no limit. You could do five or six or ten, whatever would work. And then basically the process would be very simple, but you would have to then use that property for what it was intended for. And you'd have to do that within 15 years. And then some of the caveats to the bill are, number one, is it has to be about 85% residential with 15% commercial. And the one thing that hung us up at first in the bill was that there was some question about who would retain ownership of the ground. Hmm. And I, I wasn't interested if it was going to be if someone were to build a home on land that was owned by the government or by the city. I didn't like that idea, but in in the last uh, days before it was presented, that language was taken out and so basically the city would apply if we got it we would pay pennies on the dollar that would make it affordable and that's the key word is that we've tried hard to make homes affordable but in our where we live in the times that we live affordable or attainable housing is nearly impossible because people want to make their money so this would make it so that the property would literally be pennies on the dollar then we would broker with um, developers, contractors that understand this is a this is a project that meets affordable housing needs, and with that, we feel like that we could make a huge uh, inroad into being able to provide actual affordable housing for people in Washington City. 
So who would own the land in, in the end? The, the property owner themselves. Okay, they would own the land themselves. And I believe, uh, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the requirement also is that it's one home per quarter acre, I believe is what the bill is calling for. That's the maximum. The maximum. So you could have, you could have higher density if you wanted, but the maximum, yes. Max. They don't want these this affordable land to become acre lots, right? Yeah, big big old mansions. And there's the also language in the bill that makes it so that it's not exploited. That the true intent of the bill is what the end users will will have. And for me, we've worked hard on this as a city to try to find attainable, affordable. And even if we try to waive some fees, and a builder does this, and the and the supplier does this, it's still no nowhere near comes into the affordable for a good portion of our residents so with this if you essentially take a lot of the uh, property cost out of the home then it becomes attainable and we are advocating very strongly right now with neighboring states and communities in trying to win support for this bill now the thing that's interesting about the bill is that there's a lot of property federal property in the west not a lot of property in the east but mm-hmm. all these senators from all these states will be the ones voting on it. So part of the part of the uh, process is letting them know how important it is to us that it pass. Because the truth is, a lot of uh, these very high population centers are moving to St. George and Washington and, and areas like this to get out of the cities. And, and so it would make sense that maybe we could we could have more opportunities to provide housing for 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 them and for anyone that, that want to live here actually well one thing i've learned over the years though kurt is if something is exploitable they will and money's at stake they will exploit it so when you said uh, we made it some wording in there so it wouldn't be exploitable what do you mean by that how can we stop that well it, it the property has to be used for the intended purpose and us as a city we're not to this point yet but i would look to uh, jordan our uh, public affairs and to our city attorney to make sure that we have um legislation and policy in place in washington city that the end user it actually fits with what the intended purpose is so you know if you come in like selling the home like you couldn't come and and build this house let's say for three hundred thousand dollars and then turn around and sell it for six hundred thousand so things like that but those are those are details we need to to work on we know that we can get there right now our concern is getting the bill passed and i worked with senator lee for um on this a lot um, Jordan knows Senator Lee personally, worked for him for four years back in D.C., and I actually spoke with Senator Lee on the phone here uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he appreciates what we're doing. He appreciates that we have recognized the importance of this bill, and it actually really, literally, Andy, it gives us a way forward into the affordable market. Is there, uh, can you name a couple of places that you're talking about geographically? Sure. There? Geographically, I, there's some great areas down in uh, the southern end of Washington, say along SR7, mm-hmm. around Stuckey Farm area, and go north, clear up into areas out by, um, oh, like Washington Dam Road. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, a lot of federal, you know, we, we have a lot of federal land around Washington. In fact, when I presented this to the council, I held up a map that showed in colors what the land that would be available and it was in yellow and the sitla land was in blue and you hold it up and you just see this yellow band almost around the city that's why this is so important to us is we have the land there and if this passes we we could look at that and apply it into our general plan and 
work with our engineers and our city planners to decide what areas would be most beneficial to do this with. Then we'd make application. Of course, we'd want infrastructure nearby. We don't want to put this affordable on an island. Right. We want them to have a great quality of life. It need to be put where there's roadways, where Power, there's commercial water, centers. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of those type of things because we recognize we recognize that homes are hard to buy right now. The second generation folks, our children and grandchildren, we don't want them to move away. And we understand that there is a dynamic of people moving here from the West and East Coast that really can afford to buy any home they want to, most right. of them, right? right? And so that creates a real issue, too, for our next generation home buyers. And so we are working hard to try to make this work. I think that it can. But right now the priority is getting the bill passed. And then we will work on it. I've actually spoken with a Home Builder Association, several other groups, several other cities have reached out and wants to be a part of it. And uh, I know that for me personally, it's something that I view as one of my top priorities. And it is going well. The bill was well received by um, by our legislature, by our Congress. But I would ask Jordan to weigh in on that. He knows more about the, the Washington, D.C. connection to this bill, if that's okay, Andy. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, things take time in Washington, D.C., um, so Senator Lee will need to build a coalition of senators. I think it should be easy for him to get a lot, as Kurt, as Councilman Ivey said, get a lot of the Western senators on board. It's opening the eyes of those east of the Mississippi who don't deal with federal lands like we do. And probably don't even care. And helping, yeah. yeah we need to help <laughs> them realize that this is important. This is, as Councilman Ivey said, one solution to a affordable housing crisis that we're experiencing. And um, I'll, I'll go a little into detail of, of the, the, the price structure of this land. So currently, uh, the state of Utah receives money in the form of PILT funds. PILT stands for Payment in Lieu of Taxes. So the federal, federal government looks at the land that it owns in Utah mm-hmm. and says, well, because we own it and Utah cannot develop it, we will pay the state of Utah this money that would have come in in the form of taxes had the state had control and, and, and development, or whatever. right? Yeah. And so, um, it it like like Councilman Ivy said, it is pennies on the dollar that this PILT funding that we get. It's like a couple couple dollars an acre that throw the you state a bone gets here. exactly. Yeah, okay. And so, if we could purchase that land, the city of Washington could purchase that land at the PILT pricing. Currently, land in Washington Fields is going for, you know, some of it, half a million dollars an acre. Mm. Wow. To take that out of the equation and to, to buy an acre for a couple hundred dollars as opposed to $500,000, imagine what that would do to the cost of the housing, right, that yeah. we're building. And so, like uh, Councilman said, we're excited about this as one solution to a problem. Um, but, you know, it's going to take time to build a coalition to to get people on board in Washington D.C. and to 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 show that this is necessary to help some of us out here in the West. What would happen to that pilt money? They just wouldn't have to pay it anymore, and and so the feds actually might even be happy to do this if it passes. Yeah, because eventually that land would be turned over to the city and then the landowners, and so mm-hmm. therefore it would no longer be in the ownership of the federal government. They would no longer pay the pilt money on that land. But the money, the PILT money that we'd receive has already been designated in that bill to go to uh, deforestation to help with forest fires and things that directly apply to federal lands. Hmm. So it's, it's and a And if those are developed, that wouldn't be a factor. 
That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And and I just want to make it clear also for anyone out there who might be skeptical, um, this does not apply to national parks or national monuments. Washington City is not going to try and buy a national park. That's not going to happen. These are <laughs> lands that no one's using. That a lot of it's not all that appealing. So, want to want to calm some fears there. All right, got to get a quick two-minute break. By the way, if you probably noticed, Kurt didn't have to leave us, so I'm glad you're still here, here Kurt, uh, Councilman Ivy. We'll take a break, and we come back more on the Andy Griffin Show, and we'll take some phone calls. Welcome back. Andy Griffin with you, the Andy Griffin Show. We're talking Washington City today with Jordan Hess and Kurt Ivy. Jordan's a public affairs director for Washington City. Kurt is city councilman and mayor pro tem, right? Yes, uh, in fact, Cress texted me and said, I'm sorry, I can't be there, but you got the mayor pro tem. And I'm like, okay, I'm pro, I don't know, pro whatever. I, I, I've been studying sports for 30 years, so I guess that means you're the next in line, right? If the mayor That's can't what it do means, his duties. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured, but I didn't. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a lifer politician like Jordan here. Yeah. So, uh, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about a couple of things coming up, and we do want to try to squeeze in a phone call or two if we can get there. Uh, first of all, uh, wanted to, we want to talk downtown first? Yeah. Okay. Kurt, yeah. what do you got? Well, speaking of our great mayor, Chris Staley, his uh, focus and, and priority uh, has been our downtown. We realize we need to revitalize that, bring some business in. We want to create a walkable downtown area next to Veterans Park and Long Telegraph and Maine to create a walkable area with shops and stores and that's been missing that. that's it, been missing in the city yeah it, it has been missing uh the problems that we're having is that the lds church owns the block to the west of veterans park we're you know we're in conversation with them we'd like that we would like other areas that to to try to buy into our vision about what that would look like to have some little food places and shops for ice cream and and little stores like that that would create that walkable area there Mm -hmm. and there's been interest from a bank um but that is a priority we're working on that we've actually um, had a lot of interest in people coming there but i feel like our downtown residents it would kind of revitalize a wonderful downtown area of washington and create some opportunities for our downtown to be able to walk and get you know to, to get some treats or some to have some fun there. Well, hopefully we can funnel some of them over to Red Barn, too. I yes, know that right. they'd be interested in having <laughs> a few more customers as well. Uh, any thoughts on downtown, Jordan? Yeah, I would love to just, on a Friday night, be able to park my car, grab a bite to eat, maybe listen to some outdoor entertainment in a little amphitheater area, yeah. you know, grab some ice cream, take a walk through the park. Um, that's who we are. You know, one thing that we talk about is, one thing I noticed in this community is, you build a house in a subdivision and you've got that kind of red, you know, wall that they build in, in your backyard. Yep. Very few front porches being built on homes these days. Sure. We need a place to gather as a community. Our downtown is the perfect place to do that. We need to revitalize it. We need to make it appealing. We need to be able to grab some food and some entertainment right downtown so that the community can leave their backyards and come to our communal front porch downtown. And I think that that would be really appealing to our residents. When Washington has, so it's so spread out with so many different facets to it. You know, you got Buena Vista and you got the fields and you got the downtown area. And, you you know, it, it would be good to have a place where everybody can 
kind of come and feel like they are a part of a city, a you know, Washington City. I'm a Washington City person, and I don't, by the way, live in Washington City anymore. I would live there for 19 years. Now I, I actually live in St. George City, so I, I guess I'm, I can't really speak too much on it since I don't live there anymore. Uh, we'll still claim you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I know what the Boilers is, so that, that's important, too. And I still play pickleball in Washington City over there at Sullivan as, as often as I can. So, All right, now you guys have something cool coming up, uh, something big, something exciting, and I know you wanted to talk about it. And so I'm just going to let you give you the floor and talk about this. Uh, we're calling it a wheel spark? That's right, Andy. So i got to start at the beginning. When I was teaching school at Washington Elementary, I had a young a uh, little fifth grader come up to me, C.J. Nelson, Colby, Colby Nelson, and Carrie Nelson's uh, son. And he asked me one day, very innocently, Mr. Ivy, why don't we have a place to ride skateboards in Washington? Hmm. And I thought about it and thought about it. It's like he, fifth grade, right? He's fifth, fifth grade. grade. Yeah. And he, I thought, you know what, you're going to come and ask the city council that question. So I brought him to city council, walked up front, and on the podium he asked the council why there wasn't a wheels park. Well, I'm going to move forward kind of quickly through this because I want to cover it. But from that first initial conversation from a great young man there, we were able to, I was able to visit with two property owners out in the Washington Fields that donated uh, 15 acres, Doug Dennett and uh, uh, Carl Wright. And how long ago was this? That was probably about two years ago that okay. we got that donation. And since then, we've been working on uh, a plan, but the mat that the plan for this park is wheels. You know anything with wheels or scooter, skateboard, pump track, cross country cycling, roller roller rollerblades, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. rollerblades, anything like that. So last night in council meeting, um, Barry Blake, who's our uh, athletics, uh, what is recreation recreation director? director yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah, recreation director was there with Aaron Spawn, who's become a good friend of mine. He builds tracks for like Tony Hawk. And we want to do something great down here. You know, we want to do something wonderful. We recognize there's not a lot of park, city parks south of the river. We recognize that, so we want to do something big. So we came in and presented it. We're super excited about this park. It will have every venue that uh, wheels would require. But the thing that's most exciting about it to me is that this would actually be an Olympic qualifying track really? for Olympic athletes to come and train. And also... You could have events there like the Red Bull Rampage and things like that where we'd bring in seating and actually make it a place. It was mentioned last night this is going to be a destination-type park. We want it to be a great city park where there's something for everybody. If you're a world-class skateboarder or if you're a kid just on a, a little guy on, on, a, on a scooter, there's something there for you. There's also uh, traditional park venues. There's um, a playground and... Uh, and there's water features there, but we are super excited about it. We're going to get some of those pictures posted on the Washington City website so folks can see those. But again, a shout out to our two wonderful property owners that donated that property that made this available. And you, what are their names again? Uh, Doug Dennett and Carl Wright. They each donated. Doug and about, Carl, thank you guys. Appreciate yeah, it. it was inspiring to me. I'm getting goosebumps right now. That the generosity, we have great people here. And when we said we need a park for kids to play, they both came through for us. And we appreciate them. We appreciate our staff. This is going to be a great park. The timeline on it is expected to be done in the fall of 2023. Um, but it is going to be wonderful. We are excited about it. And it also, Andy, it has the capability, if we can acquire the rest of the adjoining property, 
that it would actually be another uh, 45 acres to this park. And that would make it bigger than Disneyland and California Adventure. So we're excited wow. about the prospects Huge. of this. We want a couple more, maybe a couple more ball fields. We want some dirt for kids to be able to come and play and ride their bikes and leave their video games at home and hmm. and play and, outside. And, yeah, play it. outside <laughs> and just have some dirt to play on because it's amazing when you drive around the neighborhoods. There's not a lot of dirt. We used to love underground huts, things like that. Yeah, and that's what we'd like to. To provide there, but we're excited about it. The, the residents have been very responsive to this. We've had a lot of excitement. We had a couple of folks in our audience last night that are just true skateboard guys that are just excited and want to be a part of it. But most of all, we want to provide this for our residents. You know, we we recognize that that uh, that that's our first responsibility, and we think it'll meet it'll meet everyone's needs, and we're super excited about it. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know if Jordan wanted to say something about that or if we... No, uh, I think he right, summed he it covered. up well. Good. Let's uh, take a couple of quick phone calls. We've got about a minute. Gil Almquist, County Commissioner, is on the line. What's up, Gil? Well, I just wanted to thank both uh, Kurt and Jordan, but especially Mayor Staley. He gave me a book about the history of Washington City right as he was elected. It's called The Red Hills of November. I am almost through the whole thing. And if you want to talk about history in this area, you got to read that book along with others. But in particular, I just am so excited about the relationship we have with Washington City right now between the county and other cities as well. I just see us poised for the greatest things to happen. So I've been intently listening to Kurt saying of all the great things that are happening, I, I just want to know I'm partnering with you however we can help. Awesome. Thank you, Gil. Appreciate the call. Appreciate you, Commissioner. Good to talk to you, Commissioner Thanks. Gil Almquist. He just got released as stake president, by the way. He oh, just, did he? Yeah. <laughs> He's a good man. Burden's a little lighter for him. <laughs> Guys, we used up the time. Jordan, thank you for coming in today. Kurt, always a pleasure. You and I, I've known you for, what, 20 years? You have. Years. We're just usually talking about sports, so yeah. it's fun for a little change today. So, Time now to uh, go to news. Open lines tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.